use your emotions for your benefit. So you go, you know what's going to feel really good is actually completing this. I bet that feeling when I'm done after all this is going to be like the best feeling I've ever had in my life. So you just have to keep thinking that. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. So there's this new backpacking food company called Peak Refuel. And honestly, I, I gave them a shot for my last backpacking trip. Y'all, it was literally the best backpacking food I've ever had in my life. I was so impressed by them that I wanted to reach out and get a deal for our listeners. So if you keep listening to the episode, I'll tell you how to save 20% off an order with them. Hey friends, check out Powder7.com, new sponsor for the Adventure Sports Podcast. I've worked with these guys for a couple of years, and two of my sons have bought their most recent pairs of skis there. What's cool is that while they do sell new skis, they also sell previously used demo skis. And these demo skis come with demo bindings, so no need to remount anything. And they are sold for less than half of what you would have to pay otherwise. Great deal, great website, great people. Check out powder7.com. Hello, this is Jordan from Netflix. How may I help you? Hey, Jordan. I uh, was wondering, could I get 99 subscriptions to Netflix for free and then pay for the 100th? And then everybody, all 100 people could just use it? No, you cannot. Why is that? Because we only give out one free trial per person per household actually so there's no way that i can pay for one subscription but like 99 other people use it for free no not that i know of all right well thanks anyway all right well thanks for calling netflix and i hope you have a great day thanks jordan look i know we're not as entertaining as netflix but even to them it sounds ridiculous to have a service for absolutely free and the truth is 99 percent of podcast listeners Don't support the shows that they love. And just like something on Netflix, you know, we have production costs. We have hosting costs. There's a lot of costs actually associated with this show. And it takes money and time to produce. So in this season of giving, we ask you, would you like to become a supporter of our show? Because we don't support this show for everybody. You know, this show is is a niche. Not everyone's going to like listening to adventures from all over the world. But you guys do. And when you become a patron of the show, you basically get the upper hand in influencing what we talk about, who we talk to, and what you want because you've shown us that you're a super fan of the show. And that's why we wanted to make it easier for you to support the show. So there is the ability to support the show for $5 a month at patreon.com. But now there's the ability to support the show for a dollar a month. Come on. We've got to be worth $1. Not only do you get to influence the show, you get the satisfaction of knowing you're making this thing happen. So join us in making the Adventure Sports Podcast the absolute best show it can be.
Thank you. Hey, y'all. Hope you had a good Christmas. Um, don't be neglecting your family to listen to this. If you are, I'll just tell you what it is. It's part two of the Justin Simone interview. Uh, we started part one on Monday, Christmas Eve. Uh, if you want to hear the beginning of it, listen to that first, then listen to this. So here goes nothing. Well, if you don't mind, you want to just briefly walk us through where, where all this started for you and then how it led to this you know, climax of a crazy adventure and yeah, sure, whatever sure, you're going to sure. do in the future too. So, yeah, yeah. I'll try to, I'll try to keep this concise, but I mean, there's so many disciplines that kind of takes a while. So, um, uh, I'll start when I was 12. Um, I, uh, we had a youth services did a rope program, which is, um, it's kind of like how you graduate grade school and become an adult kind of thing. So rope, uh, stood for rite of passage experience. It's kind of like a hippie thing. So you do a lot of, um, um, trust falls into your friends's, you know, hands and stuff. Um, but it culminates into this uh, one outing where you go rock climbing. So when I was 12, that was my first taste of rock climbing. They would set up rappels and easy climbs and get the kids on them. So you you worked up to trusting yourself to do these what seems like dangerous things. Um, and the same people who ran the rope program also did a climbing club when I was in middle school and high school. So they would take us climbing. Um, sometimes outside and in the winter times inside. And then I moved to Boulder, which is kind of a mecca of rock climbing. And I kind of stopped doing it because I just didn't know how to find partners. And I'm kind of silly that way. Like I'm kind of a loner, lonely kind of person. So hmm. I just didn't, I didn't know like where to go or where to hang out. Isn't that I'm interesting? Kind of in the mecca, it's just as difficult as anywhere to find a partner. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's more my, it's more on me where I just, I'm just not very social. I just didn't have the skills to be social. Um, and then uh, a couple of years later, um, I discovered bikes. Um, I went, I just had graduated through school. I got an art degree, but, um, I was living in a gallery kind of downtown and, uh, the parking was very tight and the neighborhood wasn't very good. Like it was a great neighborhood. So we, our cars got broken into constantly. And after a while, I'm like, you know what? This car is not worth having. Like I bought it for like 800 bucks. Um, I'm like, I'm just going to get rid of the car. Cause I, I'm, I, I bought a bike at the thrift store for like 14 bucks. I'm like, it works fine. I'll figure something out. I'll save up my money and get a car that's worth it kind of thing. Um, and then I just kind of realized I developed a love of and passion for riding bikes. And the longer I rode the bike, the, the funner it was. So the next year I did my first just bike tour where I started in Vancouver and rode it all the way to Tijuana, you know, down the, so, the so coast. So how challenging was that relative to how experienced you were at the time versus like the Tour de 14? Or did that feel just as hard for you? Um, there was certainly like a learning curve. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's always kind of awkward to ride a bike that has a big load on it and then like figure out like, well, you just have to figure out like what your daily, um, kind of, uh, uh, rituals are. So you get up, you get breakfast, you ride all day, you know, you get dinner, you find a place to camp. Like it sounds simple, but like if, if you've never done it before, like there's all these kinds of unknowns, but once you get in your rhythm, like every day is the same. And I realized I like I love riding the bike. Like like I would be riding bikes two things to check them out, but all I wanted to do was ride the bike. So I had a guidebook and like I would do a day, you know, it'd be like 60 miles or whatever. And I'm like I'm not done. I want to keep riding. So I do like another guidebook day, you know, I would do like three guidebook days in one day and then just be exhausted and just like find a store, put a bunch of food in my my body and just like pass out for the next day. So 
Um, no, I, 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 I caught on to it pretty quickly. Um, the difference between something like um, a casual, quote-unquote, bike tour around the Pacific Coast and something like the Tour Divide is uh, it's kind of like the Tour Divide's a race. So there's sort of rules you have to do. You have to stay on course. You can't take help. Um, you, you use a lot less gear. You know, I was like, I had books. I had like a mini library with me on the Pacific Coast or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's just a little bit more stricter, which gets a little stressful, I think. Um, and you're trying to go as fast as possible. So if you really feel like you don't want to ride a bike, like you're too tired, you kind of still have to kind of thing. So, yeah, so I did, I did the Pacific Coast and I did a two month trip, um, in Europe. I did another month trip in New Zealand just trying to do different things. And the New Zealand trip was the first time where I'm like, I'm bringing a backpack with me because there's all these awesome backpacks to do in New Zealand. So I, that was the first time I like basically took two different uh, things and put them together. Yeah. And then, yeah, a couple of years later, I did uh, uh, the Tour Divide, as you mentioned, which is a bike race from uh, Canada to Mexico again, this time in Banff, Alberta, which is uh, right in the Rocky Mountains to um, the Mexican border, kind of south of uh, Silver City. Um, and you go over like 32 um, continental divide passes or something. So that's kind of how it, it's defined by going over these passes constantly. So, I mean, that was kind of an eye-opener. I had a lot of fun doing that. I mean, I never owned a mountain bike until that race. <laughs> Again, like April of that year, you know, the, 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 the race is in June. I'm like, I should probably buy that mountain bike. I should probably learn mountain bike. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I just came in there with like you know wide-eyed naivety i'm like how hard could it be <laughs> it's unreal so, yeah so unfortunately that year um what defined that year was the snow the the levels of snowfall from that winter previous what year was it so uh 20 it was either 2010 or 2011 so it was one of those like it Basically, in the in the springtime, all the snow melt was all the snow was melting and flooding everywhere, right? So basically, the course was unrideable, and the uh, all the the coordinators of the race were like, "What are we going to do? You can't go over all these mountain passes. They're they're socked in with snow. Like you can't get like a, a snowmobile through them. Like there are no tracks." So they're like, "Well, we'll have to go around them." You know, so the the course was heavily modified. Um, and kind of missing, you know, the je ne sais quoi of what makes this race this race, right? The mountain passes. And I go up to, I'm, I'm in Banff going, well, the heck with that. I'm like, I'll just walk, I'll just walk the passes. If I can't like mountain bike over them, I'm like, I'll just walk them. Like I brought snowshoes. <laughs> you brought <laughs> snowshoes on the tour divide. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> I guess, well, the year required it, but man, that's crazy. I did it a couple <laughs> years later and it wasn't. Wasn't even a problem. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was in Banff trying to get people to go with me. I'm like, come on. I'm like, this will be an adventure. And everyone's like, I don't think so. They're like, you know what? I eventually want to get to Mexico and see my family again. I'm like, oh, come on. We'll make it. I was like, what's the worst thing that can happen? They're like avalanche and then get eaten by a bear. I was like, okay, that's an op. That, that could happen, you know, because we're like in Canada. There's grizzly bears everywhere. So, um, yeah, I eventually, <laughs> I eventually got to Colorado after every single, everything, every single pass. And I'm not kidding from the start of the race to steamboat Springs was, was snowed in and I had to walk each and every one of them on snowshoes. 
Oh my gosh. My bike was destroyed just from being dragged through snow. Like, you know, the bottom bracket was just like, you know, I had to go through like three or four bottom brackets, three or four chains just from, you know, it just from the conditions of it being dragged in. It was just incredible. Um, so unfortunately, I, I I was able to then just ride bikes instead of doing this funny mountain bike snowshoe challenge across the country. <laughs> I was able to ride the bike and I got to just outside of Silver City and I, I managed to um, go off a berm or something really fast and I, I got air and I crashed. Um, tackled my front wheel and then I I, um, I tore my shoulder. And uh, neither the bike nor I could go further without outside assistance. Um, and I just basically had to call it. I forced to call it. So I, I'd, I'd gone through all this adversity. You know, I was the only one that decided to do the actual course instead of the intelligent way of the, the, the detours. And, uh, yeah, I, I landed in the emergency room that, that afternoon, just bummed the, the broken sh- or torn shoulder. So I was 100 miles from the end. And I, I felt it. I was very sad. I, I really wanted to see this thing through. And it was just a silly mistake on my part of crashing. So the next year, of course, I lined right back up. <laughs> snow levels are a bit more normal this time. So uh, no no need for the snowshoes. But um, I also thought there was no need for gears on my bike. I'm like, I should just do this as a single speed. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, long story short, I made it. I made it to to Mexico that year, so I was pretty happy. And I realized I could um, race mountain bikes across the country. And then, um, yeah, what happened? I don't know. Just decide to. You kind of like okay. So this is what happened. You, you you so you've done the Tour Divide. Yeah, it was 2013 actually. So I'm not sure if this happened to you, but it sure happened to me. Where I'm riding the bike and like I'm going like through all these amazing mountain ranges. And they look beautiful. And I remember, I think it was that like small couple few hours that you're in Idaho, kind of near that that bird con- conservatory or whatever, well, the wilderness, the wildlife refuge. And I'm looking at the mountains, and they look beautiful. And I think to myself, I'm like, you know, it would be cool to stop riding this bike, give my butt a break, and just kind of hike up to the top of the mountain because I think the view would be awesome. And I I kind of got kind of. Because you get kind of tired of riding bikes for 16 hours a day or whatever. I'm like, wow, that'd be a great idea. I'm like, why don't I make that the objective of a trip? You know? So I was like, wow. I mean, Colorado has mountains. I'm like, what what would a like what would a what would a trip like that look like? Has anyone done the 14ers say by bike? Like, how do they do it? How long does it take? I have no idea. Do people do it regularly? Like, I had no idea. So um, yeah, I kind of just got into hiking. Um, and doing 14ers, but I still didn't own a car, right? So if I wanted to go to these things by myself, I, I had to, um, I had to push myself on a bike to the, to the trailheads, which was kind of funny. So I kind of would do mini trips. Like, for example, a mini trip for me would be like ride from Denver to Salida, race a race, like a mount, or like a gravel grinder race, rest the next day and then hike up a mountain and then go home. And I kind of, loved it i kind of loved all the different things you did like i loved the touring aspect and then i loved the racing aspect and i loved just the hiking aspect i'm like i'm like this would be cool to do for like a month plus like wouldn't it be rad to just make this a trip so yeah one one day i was like let's go let's i'm moving to boulder which is like the the intersection mecca of mountain or it's like cycling 
trail running and climbing. I'm like, I'm just going to get good at all three <laughs> during the winter. And then in the summer, I'm just going to go for it. So yeah, that's basically how it was devised by me. And then I kind of like it. There's so much planning involved to figure out the routes and where you're going to go and how you're going to do it. I also kind of figured out, I'm like, well, is there a record? I'm like, how fast has this been done? Cause like, I'm, I'm still young and brash and I think I'm really fast. Like, like how fast have people done this? So I found out there's a guy in, I think it was 95 or 97 named Royal Roy Benton. And he essentially did it, what we would call contemporary self-supported style. He got his own food. He, he got, you know, he didn't have any outside support. Um, and he did it in 37 days. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. 37 days from 58 mountains. That seems pretty fast. It's really quick. Yeah, because all the other all the other um, uh, times I was doing in my research were more like sixty days, seventy days. You know, I was like, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> but I'm like, wow, Roy almost did half the time. I'm like, okay, that's. I mean, that's not a soft time by any means. I'm like, okay, good. I'll try beating Mr. Benton. You know, I've I've I had no background. All I had was his name, his time, and knowing that he did self supported. Like that's all the information I had on this guy. You know, I like did the cursory Google search of Roy Benton and didn't really find anything. So I'm like, well, okay, that's enough to go on, I guess. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's my goal. Eat, eat Mr. Benton. Um, yeah. So I was like, well, I mean, I've got over, I've got 20 years of technology and beta. You know, I have the internet now. Roy didn't have that. So I do have kind of an advantage. I'm like, I wonder if I can use it to him. To, to my advantage. So yeah, it was a big learning experience because even though I started hiking 14ers, I didn't do a lot because I had to ride a bike to them or find a ride. So um, at the beginning, I hadn't done them all. I had done nine of them and I had done basically the nine easiest ones of them, except for Long Speed, which is really close to me. Um, so on the trip, um, what, almost 50 of the 14ers was my first time being on top of them. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was just like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like, it was really fun because everything, every step was a new experience. But it was also like, am I going the right way? <laughs> so many times. Yeah. I remember on my first bike trip, we were on the Alaskan Highway, my buddy and I, and we were absolutely total idiots. We had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we ran out of food a bunch, and it really kind of scarred us because I remember being so I remember crying one time thinking about key lime pie (laughs) because we were so hungry and it was we were so far from the next uh spot to get food and it kind of scarred me and my wife even makes fun of me now because I tend to way overpack even for day trips and I don't really have to do that now because, uh, you know, we, we buy from Peak Refuel and they have these awesome freeze-dried meals. Uh, it's lightweight. It weighs almost nothing uh, when there's no water in it. And it's a lot of food. It tastes awesome. So gone are the days of carrying way too much food and hello to the days where we're only carrying Peak. If you'd like to give Peak Refuel a try, just go to their website order some food and at checkout just use the code ASP20 at checkout to get 20% off so give them a shot no man I, I totally get it that's I, about in the same boat tour divide couple tours um, this was a big jump in experience and I had just moved to Colorado 
and I'm not a climber either. So, I mean, it was, yeah. it was a challenge on a few of them for sure, but, um, was not able to, I think I got through about close to 20 before I had to call it, but I would love to get back out there and try it again. Oh, I hope you get to do it, man. Um, now that you have, you have, you have, uh, you have an advantage now that you have, the, you kind of understand the, what you got to do, how, what the mindset is, what it's like, like, it's not easy. Like you get beat up. Um, one of the big problems, one of the big surprises from the 14 er trip was I, there's just nowhere to rest. Right. I had the, this idea that like, okay, I knew the hiking was going to take a lot out of me because there's a lot of, you know, just the impact from step, all the, all the hiking and stuff. And I was like, well, I can just recover while riding my bike. That is just the worst I that's a fallacy I had made up in my mind because that, like it's almost like there's these hidden peaks you have to do because when you ride the bike you're not riding flat areas you're riding up and over passes and these passes have like the elevation gain that you'd see when you're doing one of the 14ers so like you you just get more and more tired and like oh my gosh some of the days like I would get up and it would take me like three hours to like kind of warm up where I felt somewhat alive <laughs> where I Jeez. felt like I'm like, okay, the day's going to work. We're going to, we're not just going to hang out at the coffee shop all day and like, you know, quote unquote charge electronics. Well, like <laughs> it's tempting though, man. I, I know that feeling. God. Yeah, just French pastries in my mouth and like, you know, do my Instagram work, you know, it's just like, Oh my gosh. So yeah, I mean, that was a hard thing to to deal with was just the uh, the, the fatigue. Um, it seems obvious, like oh yeah, it's a big, it's a lot of work. If you're gonna be there a while, you're gonna get tired. But like the fatigue is the the legs aren't moving, you know, and like you have to kind of will them to to work. And maybe the tour divide taught me the lesson how to get through that. Um, I'm not sure what what happened with you, but I know by the third day of the tour divide. When you're looking at two more weeks plus, you know, at least more like three, um, by the third day, you're just like, I'm really tired. And it doesn't make sense to go forward because the legs aren't, they, they just feel like lead bricks. What Man, do I do? That's so funny. You say that the first two days were kind of, we were racing. Everyone was racing the first two days, like everyone that's in the kind of the middle. And by day three, we all had slept just in this field some were behind this bar. I was in this bank's parking lot in some bushes. And we all wake up and find our way to the same gas station. And everyone's like, yeah, Dude. the race is over. We're just trying to finish. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what, what the tour divide, like, what, what the tour divide taught me was, like, once you feel that way, like, you could try pushing over. And, there, like, you can p push on. Push through the fatigue and there's another side. Like you're not going to feel fresh, but like it's, it's workable. You'll function and you'll just have to get used to kind of always feeling pretty, pretty much not the greatest. And it's kind of, I mean, I'm sure the, the body is in like, you know, like, like some sort of emergency mode. I'm, I'm quite positive, but like it, it's workable. Like the, the problem is like once you're done with the trip, it takes months to recover. <laughs> so. In the back of my mind, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm like, okay, this is what I signed up for. This intense, this incredible amount of low level pain. I'm like, okay, work through it. Um, look at the sunshine. Look at, look at the, look at the sunrise, you know, like, oh, that's so beautiful. Take a picture, take a picture. <laughs> that's really good advice, really. But 
So, so do you find it, you know, you say you're not sociable and you kind of keep to yourself. Um, but I know you, you are trying to like, maybe you're not, it's not a heavy pursuit to find like sponsorships or find a following. Do, do you find that a conflict for yourself? Um, yeah, you know, I just, I'm, I'm kind of a do it yourself or guy. So it's almost like I'm talking to you and it's not like I'm not like amiable or social or like, I just don't know how to talk to people. Oh yeah, um, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more like I just grew up, um, and my parents in, imbued in me this sense of like, you're on your own. If you want something done, you got to do it yourself. Like when we went sailing, even like you know recreationally, like if we wanted to get to an island, we had to put in the work. <laughs> like like we weren't eight, we're, we weren't like allowed to turn on the engine. Like we had to use the wind, and like if we weren't skilled enough to like harness the wind to get this boat to the island. We just weren't getting there. Like, so it's, it's kind of like, I, I don't know if these lessons were the greatest, but it's what I have to work with. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure like a uh, sponsorship, like it's more, the, the problem that I have is, is the multidisciplinary part of it where, you know, it's hard to go to a mountain bike company, right? And go, Hey, I'm, I'm really into mountain biking. I do these long, long trips and I do all these other things while doing mountain bike because like the mountain bikers are like well we just want you to mountain bike but you're like well I do it's really cool when I co- you know put these things together and you get this totally new thing and people are like I don't really understand it and I'm like okay so you kind of go to like um like a climbing company you're like well I do all these really cool things on mountains but they're like well like but we have all these people who do things on mountains but harder and you're like, well, I used a mountain bike to get to them. And they're like, ah, we don't really care. Like, it's hard to market that. So it's it's been kind of a hit and miss to find companies that are like, oh, yeah, we're totally into mountain biking. Oh, we're totally into, you know, camping as well. It's like, oh, cool. Let's work together. Or have companies that want to go into that direction. So, like, a company that works really well is, like, uh, La Sportiva, right? Because they make trail running shoes, plus they make climbing shoes. So when I go, hey, I'm going to, like – you know, run 10 miles to this climb, do the climbing, run 10 miles back. They're like, oh, cool. We make, we make the, the gear for that. Like, let's do cool things together. And you're like, oh, finally, thank you. Or like, um, or like, like, let's take a company like Surly Bikes where they're like, I, we, they're like, basically like, we want you to do cool stuff on our bikes. We want to see cool stuff. So like, if you're riding your bike to a fishing hole, like, that's awesome. That's what we want people to do with our bikes. You know, but I can't go to a company like Trek and be like, okay, here's what I want to do. They're just like, I mountains, like mountain biking, you know, they, they just don't quite understand it. They, they have a hard time encapsulating that into their marketing or like, what's the payoff for them to give me a bike? You know, it just, it, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't hit the right demographic for sure. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because it's so incredible. Like, combining those two disciplines it's uh it's almost like two different worlds wrapped up in one for those experiences that, w- that when you're physically on them because like you said the bike is it's like riding a horse then you get off to do something totally different but it's it's kind of like music genre crossovers you know it's a, it's a hard sell <laughs> yeah yeah it totally is and i i kind of understand it but uh, i think the payoff of doing it is so great like even like i'll do day trips you know to long's peak so it's a 40 mile bike ride there so it's about three hours plus, you know, and then you do the hike, a climb, and then 40 miles back. You know, and the hike, a climb itself is around 10 miles. 
And by the end of the day, I mean, I have housemates. So by the end of the day, I come back, I'm drained completely. And they can just see it in my eyes. You know, they're all wide and wild. They're like, whoa, what did you do today? I'm like, I had the greatest time. <laughs> That's so funny. What I did is like, well, I kind of know you now, so I do believe you. But if I didn't know you, I wouldn't. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just a nice, it's just great personal challenge. So, you know, you got these big, big trips that take, you know, at least a year of planning for a lot of it. And then, you know, I, I follow you. Um, and you're just never, you're always doing something like, you know, maybe not every single day, but there's, you're always doing some sort of project that's pretty challenging for your average person. Do after those really big experiences, do you find it hard to get the motivation to do the, these like micro adventures on the weekend? I think it's more like, um, you know, it's, I'm kind of a seasonal person, um, to be honest. So summer, I just naturally cannot even sleep. And in winter, I can naturally do nothing but sleep. Um, so I have to kind of uh, maintain my activity levels in, in different ways. So in the wintertime, I have to force myself to get up and do stuff. And um, it just works out better that it's more of a training season for me. It's my training phase. And then my, uh, my big objectives are in the summer where I feel super alive and super energetic and I just want to get everything out. Um, so when I come back from, like, say, the highest 100, I was out for two months, um, and kind of thankfully, I guess, um, I, I, I um, sprained my ankle going down the very last mountain, which was long. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> it took that long to get injured, basically. Oh, my God. <laughs> Five miles down the trail, like, you know, high on adrenaline, psych, got on my bike, and then the sprained ankle wasn't that big of a deal. And then, like, you know, the next day I couldn't really walk because I had this kind of bad sprained ankle. So I, I was forced downtime. And I just, like, made – I literally made camp on the couch and, like, got my zero-degree sleeping bag and just, like, kind of kind of slept in it for three days straight while my housemates were wondering if I was alive. Um, Yeah, and then, I don't know, there is, like, a couple weeks where I just don't feel very good. And, like, you know, like, there's just levels of, I don't know, like – I'm sure there's levels of, um, um, uh, I don't know, like you're, you're, everything's kind of whack in your body basically where, um, it's just trying to find this, um, kind of balance that it hasn't had for two, two months. And it just takes a while to like, I don't know, like I lost 15 pounds in that two months just doing it. So like I had to like relearn how to eat correctly, you know, like, Kind of like in the Tour Divide, you just get into eating it out of gas stations, and the food is disgusting, right? But like you're like, well, it's only for a couple of weeks, so we can just keep doing this for a couple of weeks. But afterwards, you like you have to re- you have to reintroduce yourself to salads, you know, and be like, oh, this is good for me. I like salads, you know, like I can cook my own food, you know. I don't have off of peanut butter burritos, like oh, this is. So, yeah, and then, like, I mean, a lot, a lot of that late weight was, like, muscle, you know, upper body muscle, so, like, climbing really didn't work. So, yeah, there is kind of this, like, I don't know, downtime where you have to get back into shape and things like that. And then, I mean, downtime's a, a great time to, to daydream, for sure. So you just kind of go, well, what's next? <laughs> what's next? Oh, good question. Um, I'm looking at the summer. Um, just because I, I don't ski 
Um, I just have too many expensive outdoor yeah, sports. Yeah, me neither. I My knees can't handle it, and I'm like, yeah. I got too many things I love doing. I cannot worry about it. It's almost frustrating how much there is to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, God, I would love to try that, but that's another five grand that I'd have to yeah, right, right. want to pour my money into. But you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, who could I steal skis from for exactly, the Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've decided to like kind of pare it down. So I do, I climb. I ride bikes and I run and that's plenty for me right now. So I'm looking at the summer. Um, one of the, one of the things I kind of mapped out last year was a traverse of the, the entire Sangri de Cristo range from South to North. So you would start basically at Lake Como road in the highway and then go up little bear, do the traverse to Blanca, go to Ellingwood, California, and then just keep going North um, until you basically get to Salida. It's it's pretty wild. It's a little over 100 miles. Um, it's all in the ridge line. You never get down. Um, and you basically tag about 80 peaks along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. You know, I, I definitely, that, that was the one that I started in as well for the 14ers challenge. And that sounds incredible. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's very cruxy because the Little Bear Blanket Traverse is technical the traverse between um, Crestone Peak and Needle is technical. And there's a bunch of mountains you've never heard of that also have these kind of technical or semi-technical ridge lines, right? So it's kind of similar to, uh, say, the Nolan's 14 uh, challenge, where it's 100 miles about and you basically string together 14 14ers in the Sawatch. Except that these things are way more desolate in the Sangres. They're way more technical. Um, no one ever does it because no one ever has done it kind of thing. And you're like, wow, this is cool. Um, since you never drop down into a valley floor, water becomes an issue. Where do you get it? You know, so I kind of have to time it correctly where there's still snow on some of the, the ridge lines to kind of gather and melt for, for water, things like that. So hopefully I can, I'm thinking May, early June for something like that. Um, so right before the weather gets... What, right before the weather gets just terrible again, because I'll be on the ridge line. There's nowhere to hide. You know, there's an electrical storm. The Adventure Sports Podcast is also brought to you by Powder 7 Ski Shop. Powder 7 is Colorado's premier homegrown and family-owned ski shop. Online at powder7.com, they offer a huge selection of new and used ski gear, plus full tech and boot fitting services at their shop in Golden. With personalized customer service, they set up skiers from all over the world with perfect gear. From brands like Kessley, Rosignol, Black Crows, and Head, Powder 7 is all skiing all the time. So check out Powder7.com to learn more. Now, back to the episode. No, I encourage people to look at it. I mean, it's it's a spine. It's a vertebrae of a mountain range. I mean, it's... It is one of the most picturesque mountain ranges I've ever seen, but it's it's that's all it is. It's a spine of mountains that goes basically cross sections across this valley, and yeah, I, that would be awesome. And and you, you got a name for it yet? The Simone Hell on oh, no. Earth or anything? <laughs> no, no, no name. Probably just the nah. same or something. Um, uh, someone uh, there's there's two individuals that did it last year, which is really cool. Um. And there, there are two people that – one of the persons I really look up to, um, he's this guy that's won, like, Western States. Or not won it. Like, he's been, like, second place in Western t- States, like, three times. So really, really good runner, basically. 
And his buddy was the really good climber. So they're like, well, you're good at running. I'm good at climbing. We can work together to get through this thing. Um, I'm going to do it a little differently, though. I'm going to do it totally unsupported. So that means I'm going to bring all my food from the beginning to the end. I'm not going to leave caches along the way. Um, and all I'm going to do is harvest water from the route and just do it alone. How long do you and think you'll, it'll take you? Oh, dude, I was like, I think this will take me a week. And uh, the guys uh, last year did it in like three and a half days. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I feel as if I have to do it similar to their time or no one's going to take me seriously. <laughs> so basically what I have to do is learn from them, right? I'm pretty, pretty good with my, my, my climbing abilities. Um, I have to just ramp up my running. I have to, I have to basically um, train like I'm the, the Western States guy. I have to train as if I'm doing a 100 miler, which is essentially what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's in, in some ways that's easy to do because people know how to train for, for, for Western States. So I can just take like, um, a training guide from a, a coach and make sure my mileage is ramped up the same way kind of thing. So can, can you me, explain uh, Western States? Because we have listeners like all over the world. They might not sure. know what that is. Sure. So Western States is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, um, hundred mile races in the country. It's also one of the most famous and most popular ones. Um, and it was started by this guy who, a, a very similar to my kind of thinking, where uh, the, the route was basically a horse route, right? So people would try to, to ride their horses along this 100-mile trail. And this guy's like, I think his name is Gordy. He's like, um, okay, the horse route's cool. Can I just run it? <laughs> and people are like, well, I guess if you just stay behind the horses and you want to try to run the race at the same time the horses have, you know, like whatever the time limit is, like two days, three days or whatever. It's like, go for it. He's like, oh, okay. And this was sort of at the time where people didn't know if you could run 100 miles. <laughs> so, I mean, like, story short, he, he was able to do it. He's like, wow, we should do this every year. <laughs> So he just he started he was the basically the race coordinator of uh, what became the Western States. So right now it's extremely competitive race. Like if you're an ultra runner in, in the United States, you try to get into Western States. It's hard to get into because there's just so many spots and everyone wants to do it. So there's like a lottery system, which just happened last weekend. Um, there are certain races you can try to win and you get like a golden ticket to get into Western States. So kind of big time. Basically, the thing I want to do has only been done by a guy who's really good at the 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 most famous ultra you know ultra race in the in the country. So I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally do it too. <laughs> it's 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 yeah, it's that um, confidence from naivety, you know, because I've never actually ran a hundred miles. I'm pretty sure I could. I just can't tell you what exactly it's like. <laughs> You're, and I love your level of stoke, man. Like that's, that's just what it takes. You know, you got to kind of not know what you're getting into to actually do it. Um, because anyone that had the complete understanding of what the difficulty of the things you do probably just wouldn't do it. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a skill. It's definitely a skill. Keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. Circling back. It's, it's almost like, I know I can't imagine doing it. So a all I have to do is apply my imagination to it and it's done. You know, easy, easy as can be. <laughs> that is hilarious, man. So I was, the other thing I was kind of thinking of this summer was like, I'm like, well, if I can get that done in May, 
I'm like, wow, that's a great fitness test. Yeah, I'm I mean, like, that's what only a weekend. So, you know, you got the rest of the summer. Yeah, right? <laughs> I only have to take a day off What what the heck. But I'm like, wow, that's, I'm like, if I, if I do a good job, I'm like, maybe I should re revisit the tour 14 or I'm like, it would be really cool. Like the, the record now is like 32 days or something. So it was 37 and 95 or 97. Um, now it's 32. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to bring that down below 30, sub 30 days to do this whole thing? I'm like, that would be really rad. Um, that'd be a cool thing to leave as a legacy kind of thing. And use the Western states as kind of like, or not, I'm sorry, use the Sangre de Cristo Traverse as like a, a training ground yeah. for it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's, so like, it's also like, um, built in recon. Cause like you do hit four 14 ers while doing this. So I'm like, Oh, that's a good long weekend training. Um, but again, I mean, I have, I, there's no one that has more experience doing this than me, which is crazy to think. So I wouldn't have to go out there and like train. I know how to do everything. I've been to these mountains by bike at least twice, all the mountains. I'm like, wow. I'm like, that's an insane advantage. I'm like, I honestly think I could optimize everything to get done um, under 30 days. So I'm like, wow. I'm like, since I work for myself, it's not a, it's not a question of getting the time off. I just don't work. Right. I tell my clients, I'm like, Hey, I won't be around in August or whatever, but yeah, I'm like, they, wow. Yeah, they I don't sh- need to know why. <laughs> oh, I tell them. They're all, they know what I'm. Do- they I do now. Yeah, They're like, I'm just oh, playing. Oh, I'm busy. <laughs> wow, he's got a lot of clients. Okay. <laughs> can't you just give a quick call? No, I'm sorry, I really can't. I don't have a phone on me. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of thinking of it. I just feel like I'm in great shape, and um, I just it seems as if I should express this specific type of um expertise one last time, just to like. I don't know. I also, it's when I daydream, I daydream of trips just like this, like the 14 year trip or the the highest hundred trip. You know, I just remember how fun it was and like how awesome it was just camping along the road and doing so many hikes, you know, in such a short time of period of time. I'm like, wow, that, that is actually my happy space, you know? So I might, you're content with keeping it in your backyard, huh? Um, for the time being, um, there's other objectives I have that aren't in Colorado. Um, I was considering like, how can I branch out and do something similar yet in a different location? Um, one of the ideas was to start doing sea to summit trips, right? So start at say, um, Pacific ocean, right? Ride the bike to Rainier, do Rainier, um, and then reverse it. Like that'd be kind of cool too. Um, oh, absolutely. It, there's one to yeah. up Kilimanjaro every year that does that. There, yeah, like I would love to do Kilimanjaro that way, but it's almost to the point where like I would prefer to do it that way, um, instead of just like I would I would totally do it that way, um, preferably than just flying into base camp of Kilimanjaro and getting a guide and whatever. Um, so I'm kind of looking on like, well, what what could be a great goal for that? And for me, I think it'd be like Denali, like. That seems like logistically kind of up my avenue where like, how do you get yourself by foot to Denali from, you know, uh, the Pacific Ocean or something? Because like, are you pack rafting? Like, are you skiing? <laughs> like, is there a bike involved? Like, how do you do this? Like, I just looked into how to get from like the park boundary to um, the base camp of Denali at like 14,000 feet. Like, there's a glacier like it's not easy or safe travel like people must be doing it but i just don't know how they're doing it like a, a like a with great detail 
you know, because like people fly in because there's crevasses in those glaciers and you could die. You know, it's just very dangerous for a lot of people to do it. So what am I what am I not getting? Why are people paying lots of money to being flown in? I, I don't think it's just convenience. So, um, yeah, I might I don't want to go into something so green that I, I'm a danger to myself. But like I want to know, is it just because it's I, I think part of it might be it's just it gives you a greater chance of actually summiting like Denali's harder. harder. It takes at least three weeks to get to the summit. The weather's terrible. You know, it's a lot of luck. So eh, we'll see. We'll see. So it's kind of like a budget thing. I have to, that's, that's kind of the thing where like, it might be good to see if I can't get um, some sort of project together. That's just not me on a bike. Like, are we filming a movie? Can I get a, a major sponsor to help out? What's their payoff? Is it the movie? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, I, and I, this is, you know, this doesn't have to be on the record or advice, but something that I always wanted with each trip, this is just me. Um, I just felt like more purpose behind something when I did it for uh, a cause. And I know yeah, that's really yeah. popular, but it had to be something I really, really cared about, like legitimately and didn't use it as a way to like get funds. But I'd be like, how can I help you guys doing what I'm already good at? because I really love what you're doing and I think we could work together to make it, you know, more substantial for everyone. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you are really passionate about something that's outside of biking that, uh, that would make the world a better place. But if you could see yourself oh, sure. doing that, I, I've always found it in when those days that I felt really low and I wanted to quit, I, I would oh, yeah. have a reminder that's... of like, no, I'm doing this for all these people. I've got to keep going. And, uh, it always helped me a lot. And and you feel so good about I mean there's obviously benefits to yourself but but knowing that it's it's being used for something was just really cool. I loved it. Oh totally. That's totally useful and legitimate and I I can commend you for that for sure. Yeah, it's man, what what I do need is probably a manager cuz that's a lot of things to juggle in one air cuz like you have to plan the trip and then you have to plan like oh like I like like, oh my gosh, there's like PR, I need a full time. There's Yeah, right. But it almost you like know. yeah, yeah, I cause I I had to do it all for myself. And then but then there's other trips I just wanted to do just for a personal, you know, growth and, and experience and you know, it's all depends on what you want, but sure, you, know, you, sure. you you fill it out and it, it, I never let it really search for it. It always kinda came to you. But um that yeah, always yeah. helped. That always helped. But uh Absolutely, yeah. It's like it's almost like um, it's a skill I'll have to develop, and I have confidence that I can develop it just because look at all the other skills I've developed. You know, I'm already like you know I'm already good at I'm pretty good at a lot of things. Like I could probably be good at another thing. You know. Well, you go so, from but, you know commuting on your bicycle just because you had to to yeah, right. <laughs> scaling <laughs> the hundred highest mountains in Colorado on, and doing it and a half of them on a bicycle or getting to each of them on a yeah, bike. Right. That's, you're, yeah, no, it's crazy to watch your progression. And yeah, right. I'm like, dang, there's just no telling. I mean, it's like a skyrocket. You know, it's like a rocket taking off. He's going to be yeah. biking on the moon at some point. Yeah. I've had many people hold many beers for me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, it's really cool that, you know, it definitely attests to your ability to learn skills and um, really achieve anything that you want to. You've got discipline, you've got planning skills, and uh, just oh, yeah, the ability to stick to it, you know, that's half of it oh, right there. I appreciate it. 
appreciate it. Well, cool. Well, Justin, man, thanks for joining us today. I won't, I won't keep you. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, is uh, this was great, man. I thanks. Thanks for setting it up on such a short notice. No problem, man. I, it's, it's my pleasure. Of course. Cool, man. Well, uh, yeah, I've been wanting to talk to you in person for a long time and, and now I actually have an excuse, a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anytime. If you need any, if you have any questions on something you think I'm good at, just email me and I'll, I'll try to point you in the right direction. I do it. I do it um, semi-regularly for a lot of people. I'm just psyched to see people out there having fun. Well, dude, thanks so much again. Cool, Mason. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. I'll uh, talk to you soon, hopefully. All right. Have a good one, dude. Cheers, man. All right. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Don't forget if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food you're ever going to eat, go to peakrefuel.com and use ASP 20 at checkout.